just a quick note this week, Anthony and Nick were both not in the podcast, but I only mentioned Nick was gone. So I'm a dumb jerk for not mentioning that Anthony was not there. Hopefully the next episode, everybody will be back. You're listening to Barely on Topic with B.A. The biggest fraud of all is coming up. Nick. Here comes the bagel boy himself. Anthony. A puck goes over the glass. Every stupid player on the ice puts their hand up. Jeff. Then I moved to Canada. And Tim. Probably not. I would like to invoke a, a prayer to the hockey gods, most notably Bobby Orr, to make sure Brando Carlson stays forever and ever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Bobby, the Bork, the Shore, and the Clapper, amen. Yes. Okay. We're on episode three of the new season of Barely on Topic. We have no Nick this week. Uh, I'm going to have Doc his pay. I really am. Just just off in South Carolina doing, you know, southern things. Um, <laughs> oh, he's in South Carolina this time? Yeah, South Kakalaki. So, uh... <laughs> Man, I'm definitely docking his pay. Don't tell him this, but really, I'm paying him in fake money. Shroot bucks. <laughs> no, they're D's bucks. They're all defensive players. Like, you know... They all have defensive players, like, and they're all in denominations that he did not question, like the $33 bill or the $47 bill. $25 bill. Oh, the $25 bill is my favorite <laughs> bill ever. The $54 bill, which um, always ends up going face first into the boards. <laughs> it just comes ripped in half, comes in pieces. And the $86 <laughs> bill, which no one can really figure out how they actually feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> And the $6 bill, what the fuck is up with that? (laughs) (laughs) There's no face on that one. It's just Fenceman to be named later on that one. (laughs) No, it's Walter from from, uh, the Muppets. (laughs) Well, no, but my point is that there's been so many number six defensemen over the last... uh, Oh, yeah, it's a bad number. At this point, might as well put a gravestone on that $6 bill because, jeez... Anyone who gets that number seems to be dead and gone. Didn't Wade Redden have that number and he yes. played like one or two games after they got him at the trade deadline? Weidman was a, was a, was a six as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Was Zanin? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Greg freaking Zanin. The axe murderer was. <laughs> so they should just retire the, the number six in a yeah. bad way. Like, it yeah. just doesn't yeah, I feel, exist. I feel so bad for Chiller now. He's just, just That's just unfortunate. It stinks because I love the single digits. I think it's cool when you have someone that has a single digit number, but six is just, it's cursed. It's a problem because there's not that many other single digits that are available on this team, right? Right. They're, most of them are retired at this point. Yep. Or uncool. Seriously. I don't really like the single digit number. I like double digit numbers, but I really wanted Carlo to say 73. It had personal significance and stuff. Or if he had become 21, that would have been so great. <laughs> or 44. Oh, God, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts when I see it. But, but anyway, there is a campaign to make 25 great again. So I'm going to put that out there. It'd be great again. All right. So we basically talked about not very much. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, though. <laughs> okay, Tim, so you're, so you're hosting today, Tim. So what's <laughs> no, Tim, you're not hosting. Shots. I thought it would be... Shots! <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Black velvet. <Woo>. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine, like, our office Christmas party that we could have where Tim makes us do Black Velvet? Yes. Black ah. velvet in the eggnog. Oh my god. It would have to be in something. <laughs> so today I think we're going to talk a little bit about the youth movement and other perplexing things with this Bruins team in the young season. We're what? We're five games in? Yes. Okay. I've got my, my mental countdown 
going till like uh, the ninth game, which is the Winnipeg Jets. I think it's Winnipeg Jets. Is it the Jets? No, it's not the Jets. Anyway, it's a it's a game like what the first or second of November. So that's where my head is. But anyway, five games in, and what do we know about this team? Who wants to go first? I'll jump in. Okay. So I'll go with defense first. Youth on defense has been a diverse sort of experience. Obviously, your boy, Arlo, has been fantastic, frankly. Brendan, Carl Rissian. <laughs> Brendan Carl Rissian, yes. Like, like he's he's getting, he's being played, you know, at the last minute of a one-goal game. He's um, uh, getting plenty of penalty kill time. He's playing top-line minutes. Claude has, you know, he's throwing so much trust in him. This guy's on the team all year. There's no question at this point. My heart... My heart. And and he got a stick to the lips last night. Had to get stitched up. And he came back. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything otherwise, but he was, you know, I would be a little rattled by my game if I were part of the youth movement and this were, like, my only my fifth professional game like that. But came back, not much of a problem. Yeah. yeah. That's the biggest thing. It's his fifth professional game, and he looks like a seasoned vet out there. Like, especially playing the last minute of that one goal game, like they were, they had a six on, it was a six on four situation. And he not only does spectacular, he has that big block at the end there. Like he's just seems to be doing, you can't do any wrong right now at this point. Think about how much better Chara is looking playing with you too. Oh my God. He's been looking great. Like Charles, but it's like Charles looks like he he, he aged rever- in reverse four years over the summer, and I think it's a big part by playing with Char- with Carlo. Charlotte Chara does not look like he's worrying about who's on his other side. Like I think there's very good communication between them. I think there's a good anticipation of where they'll each be in space and who's going to go for the puck or whatever. He, he just seems to know where Carlo's going to be, and I think Ch- Carlo the same way with Chara. It frees it's- Chara up a little bit. It's a confidence we haven't seen in Chara in a very long time. Not since, you know, during the playoffs in 2011 paired with Seidenberg, during that window when Seidenberg was fantastic. Um, and Or with Boychuk more recently. Because like, he never, you know, I, I, I will say I always really liked the, the Chara-Dougie pairing mm-hmm. when, it, when it was a thing. But Chara never looked as comfortable and liberated as he does right now with, with, with Carlo, ever with Dougie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you know what? I hate to say it. I'm really happy about that. I like. I I know Dougie was your boy, but if that's what we needed to trade out to get this, this is a good defensive feeling. Not everything Carlo, else, but you know. Now Carlo is not one of the Dougie returns. I know. The I know. Other two, the other two seconds were the JFK and Lausanne were part of that trade, but not his. He, he was part of the. He's part of the Boychuk trade, actually. No, 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 no. I mean, as in the like, if Dougie had to go away, so that we could get this, that not as a re- result of trades or anything. Okay. For me, it's it's more of just like a shifting of bodies, not really like shifting of contracts. And oh, the way he's looking so good, and if we assume that next year Charlie McAvoy is going to make the team. Think about how good our for how shitty our right side was last year to how good it could be next next year and forward. Yeah, it could be really scary. Carlo right McAvoy, someone that's a great that's a great right side. So potentially, and I mean, I hate to say it because I know a lot of people. Well, I know a lot of people like him, but I know a lot of people have their hates for him. We probably have the best head coach we could for having a bunch of good young D coming in. Claude just not that okay. I don't want to buy into the old whole idea that Claude didn't like the youth, but he seems really relaxed about them right now. Like, well, yeah, when he's talking about them, he seems like kind of happy, just kind of very relaxed about it. Like, not uptight. Maybe people are asking the question in a nicer way. I don't know. I wonder if that's a Cassidy and uh, Pandolfo effect, though, too. Maybe. Remember, because we're coming off of Pete Bruins coach and player development coach slash director of player development. So the two of them have, you know, you know, their, their job with the Bruins has been working with youth. So maybe having them as assistants has reinvigorated that aspect of Claude's coaching. He's so defensive minded, though, for the most part, that I think having Claude as our head coach right now is perfect to have a lot of young D coming up just because... 
who well, who better to really learn from at this point? Cassidy. Cassidy's the defensive guy too. He's been working with the inexperienced defenseman. Maybe not so much with Ogara and Carlo because they had such short term in in Providence, but still he knows how to do that. He has more recent experience on the AHL level, and I think you can't discount that right now. Well, you know, here's the thing. How many of our defensemen played for Cassidy in Providence, right? Basically, McQuaid, Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin sparingly chiller a little bit, Krug for an entire season. Yeah. Basically, our only rostered defenseman that never played for him at all before this season are Chara and Lyles. Yep, yep. So I think this was a really great move for the Bruins to to promote Cassidy, um, promote Pandolfo, or are we going to call him that? Or <sighs> we lost that fight, obviously. So <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I I don't want to dwell on the past. I want to forge. <laughs> fearlessly into the future. I think he's redeemed himself. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, I mean, the joke was he said his name forward too many times he'd end up on the roster and never leave. And, uh, well, all that worked out that way, didn't it? So clearly a lot of people weren't following the rules. Anyway, yeah, so it's been it's been interesting. And I remember on the show we talked about how the new coaching hires, the fact that um, it was two former head coaches plus um, um, Pandolfo, who was clearly a favorite in the organization, were a, were a series of shots across Claude's bow. But now that we're seeing it in action, and I, I'm, I'm going to back away from that interpretation pretty hard. Have, I think he just needed a new team. Like his was coaching staff was stale. He needed to re reinvigorate, reinvigorate it in general. And it seems in the early going. Not be perfect, but the roster is not perfect. But to be working, and there is some changes to how they do things that are clearly work, that are clearly coming out of this as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I don't think it ever hurts to have a little extra motivation. But I'm glad to see that everything's working out really well. Especially since I did not want to take a look at this defense as I thought it would be comprised back in July. So, yay! I can watch the defense. I have a new defense. Men, man, I have a new defenseman. I'm very excited. Yeah, so other. while we're talking about other defensemen. Yes. Uh, why don't we talk about a couple of other more experienced but still young defensemen in Joe Morrow and Colin Chiller Miller. I think I think the Joe the, the Joe Morrow experiment is uh, rapidly coming to a closure. He's, he's played the last two games, not looked good. Oh no! Like last, like last night against Montreal, he had some terrible, catastrophic moments, which is funny because overall his game was not terrible by his, his unimpressive standards. standards. I think you but said he said last had... night middling the at best standards. <laughs> yes. Um. So and it's shitty, you know. It really is. I wanted Joe Morrow to work out well. He had some good moments there when he was still in Providence a couple years ago. Yep. It's not translated to the NHL. NHL. We've talked about it here before. And Ludicky Sarah says the same thing. It's clear he's he's got all the tools, but no toolbox. And <laughs> at this point, he's bringing his tools just, to the work site in a wet paper bag. <laughs> I'd rather just give the minutes to O'Gara and let him play. I gotta think that there's something going on with O'Gara. Like he has some kind of little injury thing because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, yeah, I, I it makes sense that he wanted to play Moro, but I don't see how you. Play Morrow last night against the Habs after having played him on Thursday against New Jersey. Wes, it was a game we won, but Morrow was pretty shitty. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean... And playing him on second pairing rather than third, too. Yeah. That was puzzling. I guess if you wanted to have Lyles as your third pairing, then maybe that makes sense. But he was paired up with Krug, right? It was Krug yeah. and uh, Morrow on that second pairing. And they both just looked bad, but... Moro, he just looked like he shouldn't have been playing in the in that game at all. Yeah, Krug's. I mean, Krug struggled, but he looked better in the games he had O'Gara than he's than with Moro to be sure. Also, O'Gara's game, much like Kevin Miller's, just seems to complement Krug's very well. Right, and Moro just like I kept seeing him get beat by a Habs player. You know, that's why you have all those penalties against him, where it's like he has to hook or he has to interfere or hold with someone because he just doesn't take the right angle. He's just not 
speedy enough for these guys. It's just, he looks terrible last night. See, didn't... People were criticizing Chiller for similar things. He made a lot of mistakes, but Chiller, it's, it's a different story, right? He's a very good transition player, and as a result, yes, he gets caught in pinches. But he's a better skater than Morrow. He's has demonstrated a better puck handler, good transition, better possession player. He's just still working up the kinks. And again, I know some people whose opinions we do value are rather uh, done with the whole Chiller experience, but I think they're being very jumpy there. That said, Chiller needs to be better because he's not playing the rookie. The fact that he's being outplayed by Miles by Carlo, modestly modestly by O'Gara, that's a problem for him. Well, I- you know, I do have a problem with comparing the different guys, though, against each other in a way, because I don't think that Carlo and Chiller are the same type of defenseman. Chiller's oh, not at all. Not at yeah. All. Yeah. So it's really not fair to make that kind of comparison, but, except that Carlo is doing really well and he is riding this wave kind of at the top but, of the wave and he's doing really well. And Chiller, I don't know what happened to him, but he's been kind of in a slump. Since he started playing. And and the, here's the thing about that, though. And while they're not necessarily competing with one another directly, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, is you got those three young guys on the right uh, on the right side there. So Carlo, O'Gara, and Chiller. Realistically, probably only one of them survives the return of uh, Miller and McQuaid. Um, unless someone starts playing a lot better. And the fact that O'Gara hasn't been is troubling. And O'Gara's going to be the one that gets sent back down. He doesn't go through waivers. And he hasn't been playing as well as Carl. Right. Chiller has to go through waivers. So he would and, just sit. Which is bad. Yep. Chiller if, probably wouldn't clear waivers, even if not playing well, because he's got, you know, this year and next on a million dollars, and he's got and he's got some decent results from, from last year to work on. Work, work he's got potential. Part. That's the thing. He's got so much potential to be better. And I I just I honestly think with how well the younger guys are playing. I think it's I think he's feeling that and I think he's not I think he just needs to kind of tune them out and just play his game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's doing that right now. I think he's kind of feeling that pressure and he's kind of letting it get into his own head. And I also question whether he and Lyles are a good pairing. Lyles hasn't looked at as good so, so far that he, as he did last year. Now that could just be father time catching up with him. He's not a young guy. He's 35, right? Something like that. Maybe 36. Take it away, internet. What do you got for me? 35. Okay. <laughs> No, I, you know, sitting because, you know, Chiller won't make it through waivers and sitting him does him no good. No, because you can't um, get better by sitting on the bench. No, I mean, you can see things about the game and stuff and you can do things in practice, but playing really, you know, you have to play the game at the game speed to really be able to um, to make those changes work. Yep. There's merit to a scratch, but becoming relegated to a 7th or 8th defense, which is a real risk, frankly, once the um, uh, two big guys come back. Um, it's not good. And frankly, even with him not playing great, he's still a better option than McQuaid. Yeah, McQuaid's kind of like a statue on the ice. Mm. He's kind of like Hal Gill, so a pylon, just kind of there. Right, I prefer the term statue because he's. It implies that I. I it just sounds nicer. <laughs> statue is the terminology that I use for a quarterback that's not very mobile, who's very tall, who can throw the ball, but once you disrupt him, he just kind of goes down. But anyway, McQuaid is as much as I like McQuaid, I really do. Um, his charity and, work is fantastic. And we mean it this time because he we actually do like him. It's just that I'm seeing other defensemen and I just don't want to see him. I keep forgetting he's on the team. I keep forgetting he's the Kevin's on the team. He's skating, um, right? Yeah. The team. He's still on IR, but he can come back anytime. Miller's going to take a little while. Or not you- Mil- yeah, Miller's going to take a little yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Miller is out for uh, some time. Would you put McQuaid back with Krug? That's been the classic pairing. Fuck. Okay, no, no, you know what? We don't have to answer this right now. We can talk. Uh, do we We have more to say about Chiller and Morrow? Or do you want to jump over into the forwards? Okay, all I have to say is, yep, it's time to wash our hands of Joe Morrow. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think sitting Chiller is not going to help him. And Chiller, I don't know what you need to do. 
but you need to get your your head about you right now and start playing better. That much yeah. I can say. It needs to be given a rope for a while yet longer. But don't yeah. think, just do. And Carlo, 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 friend of Carlo Racine. Keep do yeah. He can keep doing him. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> The youth moving in the forward seems to be in the process of um, dialing back some, right? Austin Zarnick was sent back down. I think it's um, probably post-concussion still. And then Danton Heinen, who hasn't done a lot, and the results weren't stellar so far. Regular season, he was scratched yesterday. Now, if you listen to people that have watched a lot of Danton Heinen, Kirk Ludicky is a big one. He talks about how he's a player that will never, ever catch your eye until he's putting it in the net. Mm-hmm. He has, that hasn't been happening yet regular season. You know what? He's 21. Maybe he's just not ready. Maybe Heinen's not ready. That's okay. Uh, But maybe Heinen was kind of kept on this roster, one, to develop him a little bit more, two, to kind of spur Ryan Spooner into action. I mean, which I'm just kind of curious about because I'm like, do we really need to do that at this point? I I, I still can't, don't really understand this team's stance on Ryan Spooner. Like before, even before he came up, yeah, even before he came up full time, there was some weird treatment there. I never really under fully understood it. I accepted it was like, okay, the team didn't think he was ready, even though the results were solid enough. Last year, last year was you know it was about forty something, forty some odd points as third line center. A lot of those in terms of his work on the half while making the first unit power play. Back. Yeah, is this? And I don't think he was the problem with that third line last year. No. Like the no. possession was, was was catastrophic, absolutely. But I don't. I think it was just general bad line combination construction. So I'm not sure why this team is so hell bent on making Spooner things that he isn't necessarily. When it looked like Zarnik was going to make the team and stay as third line center, I could make. I I, I, could, I could handle it. But why he's still playing on the le- on on the Krejci, on Krejci's left wing? It's not the ideal spot. It's perplexing to me. I, I well one I think the the Fetrano injury really just kind of fucked everything up for everybody. Well, yeah, the first three line left wing was was just all tied up. I, I, everyone figured. I mean, right now it's like I feel like we're discussing things that are kind of put in place because we have to have something until he comes back. But man, you it have, is going to be a long two or three more months for that. You have to figure that the left wing contingency was built entirely on full t- expecting Vitrano to be full time and signing Jimmy Vizi. Probably. And the fact that we are here now with neither of them at the moment, the left wing could look worse than it does. But I still don't know if putting Spooner up there is the best choice. No, I I want him as that third line center. I mean, and I mean third- I know yesterday he had that power play goal, I believe, but I mean get him get him at the center. Get him the third line center. You can have a solid three set, three line centers there. Yeah. You have that opportunity, and you're not doing it. That third, because that third line right now just does not look good. Nope. It's a weird line. It is a weird line. Nothing. No, I, I have no problems with Riley Nash on this team. No. Riley Nash is up. Right, if you, I mean, I talked about it before. If you look at his uh, hero charts, he's a solid, solid defensive forward with some scoring touch. I mean, it's when we all thought he was going to be fourth line right wing. That was great. Why he's playing third-line center now, though, I don't know. And it's clearly a bad fit with his wingers right now. Well, it doesn't help that he's basically playing with one-and-a-half wingers. Yeah, Bleski's been all over the ice, right? You watch it, he's not been on the board, but Bleski's actually been having a really good early go of the season, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I still love that signing, and I, I love Bleski. I, I love how he plays. And it just stinks that it seems like that line is being anchored by one giant anchor and being pulled down by um, one giant, one giant anchor from Dorchester. Yeah. Jimmy Mays Hayes. I mean, my gosh, he, I want to like him. I know you guys have said that too. You guys want to like him, but he's just not, doesn't do anything on the ice that I really like. I, I don't, I don't get it. And criticizing Jimmy Hayes has become sort of a weird thing on Twitter. People jump on your throat if you complain about Jimmy Hayes not doing anything. It's like, oh, you want him to hit and fight. It's like, well, no, not necessarily. But he's not scoring. He's shit as a from a possession standpoint. At best, average. Or below average, really. I think last year, even in all situations, I think he was still under 50%. Of course, he's four. So 
And these are people that are normally statsy people defending him. Again, reflexively, because they think they think that the rest of Boston fandoms are all fucking Goombas who want who want the big guys to be hitting and punching everyone. See, that's the thing, though. You don't have to hit and punch to use your size effectively. And he doesn't use your, his size effectively at all. I don't understand. At no point in his time in Boston has he been this net front guy. That was how he scored that 19 goals with Florida the season before we traded for him. Something like 16 of them were, were from in the crease. Mm-hmm. Throw him in there. Throw him out in the front. I mean, let him use his size and battle out front. Let him shield the goalie. Let him do that sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Six six act- is really hard to see around. It is. I actually want to see Jimmy Hayes on the first unit power play to replace Louis working net front from last year. If you want him to start scoring, to start to, to placate people, give him some confidence. And I bet that I- they they don't even think about that because you know they they don't think about Jimmy Hayes as being a goal scorer. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that I think that's how it is. I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. No, his yeah. size is just being wasted. It's just being wasted at this point. Just because they're not, like you said, don't have to fight. You don't have to hit to use it effectively. And it's just not being used effectively at all. He floats. A lot. Yeah. And a floater who's also a slow skater. Doesn't work well. Yeah. If, if you're not going to score and you're not going to be at least a little bit defensively responsible here, you should use your size in whatever way that you can. And that way, I will say that I don't mind a guy who hits some people and... I don't want him to start fights. I don't need that. But, you know, use his, his physical presence in that way. But He's too much of a perimeter player. Yeah. It's really frustrating to watch that. I, I sit there and I see Noel Achari, who is like seven inches shorter, who's like a bowling ball out there at times, you know, who <laughs> forechecks. And like I'm like, that guy is going to get pushed out at some point or can or, or might be pushed out sometime when when Vetrano comes back because there's going to be a realignment of things. And so I worry about that because I see that guy as like not taking for granted the opportunity that he has been given, you know. So it really pisses me off when I see somebody like Hayes, who is just borderline. It would be like if you were playing basketball and you had a guy playing seven feet t- who was seven feet tall and he was just shooting threes all the time. And not, like, down below at all, getting rebounds. Just chuck it up from the three. Just chuck it up, chuck it up. It <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> or better yet, just standing there and just keep, keeps putting it in the net. <laughs> if he well, at least he'd be scoring. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> just, 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 just chucking three-pointers, except they're missing the, the backboard entirely. Just... <laughs> but he's not even doing that. It'd be like if you had Shaq. Shooting threes all the time, and it's just not what he does. He should be, he should be playing down in the crease. He should be. Oh. There's no room on this team for people that we can't figure out what they should do, or like we figure it out, but they can't figure it out. It's just it's very frustrating. It's, it's, I would like to see Hayes sit, but who's going to be in his position? This right wing's a problem, right? Now that said, actually, we sat Hayes. And again, this is the ripple effect and goes back to the, the NHL ready left wing problem. Put Spooner back at 3C. I would try Riley Nash as, as third line right wing. Okay. Well, Heinen back on the second line left. Put him as left wing with Krejci? Sure. And there you go. And it's, not ide- it's not perfect, right? Because again, still no Vitrano. But realistically, like of the players that are on the team, like locked, locks right now, so I'm not including Heinen, but of our forwards, Hayes is the one that's bringing the least to the table. Yes, Krejci's struggling and having a rough start to the season because he clearly shouldn't be playing yet. Well, I was but going he to still get to brings that. more to the table than Hayes does. I was going to get to that next, but that's Sorry, okay. It was, it was a relevant point. We can discuss that in more detail, of course. So, okay, so yeah, third line's a problem, and a lot of it has to do with Jimmy Hayes. On the flip side, I really actually like the fourth line. Oh, the fourth line. Like, it started <laughs> off pretty good when they had Nash down there, but actually, no Nash. Having having Schaller with Chari and Morrow. And Moore has been, I am impressed across the board. Chari picked up right where he left off last year. Woohoo! Moore, has been, Moore has been better than advertised because, of course, last, he, last year he played it all of his time with freaking Tanner Glass. So, of course, his numbers looked awful. <laughs> And I'm impressed and, with Schaller at this point. I had I, he was blank slate. I had no idea what to expect at all. New Hampshire I native, got, Merrimack. Woo! <laughs> um, 
Doctor Schaller. Yeah, and I had because like, you know he was a he was not qualified. He was a I don't remember if it was no QO or no qualifying offer or if he was a, a Type Six UFA with Buffalo. But the fact that Buffalo let him just walk one way or the other concerned me. Yeah, I mean, well, it's Buffalo. Oh, yeah, I know. Tim Murray's not actually looking like he's that talented uh, he, <laughs> on, on the build it back up side of things. But um, Charles so, is looking really good considering I had zero expectations. I just assumed he was an AHL signing. Okay, so Tom Moore, his pictures are really weird. It's like I get uncomfortable looking at those pictures. It's like, ugh, he's like, looks all lurky and weird. Official bio shot's a bit better with him actually smiling. Oh, God. Oh my god, he looks like one of the characters from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. <laughs> In that picture. <laughs> yeah, the actual smiling one, I mean, he's, he's a good looking dude. It's just and it's a little less sinister than that first one you showed us. But anyway, yes, I, I thought that Moore was signed as a favor. Because this would probably be his last year or something. And I He thought, seemed well, like a great, a great 13th forward signing. Right, but, and he's, he's bringing it. I mean, to his credit, he's just going out there playing his game and doing well. Scoring goals. It's Scoring not goals. something he's known to do. But he's two, doing through, it. two through five games. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, so did you ever think that you would talk about the fourth line and, like, smile when talking about it? No. Oh. Yeah, I did once, you know, 2011. So I think this has the potential to be better than that 2011 fourth line. <sighs> you know, there was chatter about this, and I agree with it completely. It's like, watch Achari. He's got... He's got a he's got a, he's got a Marcus Kruger on this to him. More battle, more more physical, but he just uh, and he's got and right away he's got the trust of the uh, trust. Of, we saw this last year. He's got the trust of the uh, of the coaching staff. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know why he's so awesome? Because he's from Providence. Because he's from Rhode Island. Sorry, we don't have much hockey that happens in Rhode Island. We have to take it where we can get it. Hey, Rhode Island's produced a first overall pick before. Sure, he was a bust, but. Brian Lawton, 1984. Oh, oh, and and what's his name? And he was from, He's from Cumberland, I believe, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Who's my favorite guy that I like to see on like uh, NBCSN and NHL Network? Brian Boucher, the so ex goalie. Boucher, yeah. Yeah, Brian Boucher. Why did you leave me hanging like that? Do I, I leave you sure. hanging I, like I, that? I wasn't sure who you were talking about yet. He's from Woonsocket. Matthew Schneider also from uh, from Woonsocket. Wow, Rhode Island has a good sound place in NHL, even if there was a bust. Yeah, well, Paul Correa went to the so fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Although so did Torts, so I guess <laughs> Torts actually grew up a couple of towns over for me. Did he ever find Muskie though? Or is Muskie still there, wandering forever? Muskie? Oh, you're not familiar with that, huh? Some years, I think it was during the 2013 playoffs, uh, his uh, yearbook photo from high school turned up. And his <laughs> quote was, where's Muskie? <laughs> <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you were talking about Husky the Muskie. And I was like, well, I know where that is. It's like, what is it, Kelowna? Kenora. Kenora, Kenora. Sorry, that part of Ontario gets a little towny. Lots of towns. Anyway, um, yeah, so you weren't talking about that, obviously. I have seen that, though. So I know where that muskie is, vaguely. Wow, where's muskie, huh? Yeah, doesn't know. I, I don't know either, but I, I like Torts as a person. His charity work is fantastic. It um, actually is. It yeah. really is. And I will be seeing him next month, or his back, or something. We got pretty good you'll, tickets. You'll, 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 you'll get to see him, you know, cussing out some uh, player for, you know, not playing his way. Yeah. You know, he was totally fine and very nice when he was on NHL Network when he was going to do, you know, his year there. And then he got called to, to coach the uh, Blue Jackets. And then he turned into the normal person that we are used to seeing. <laughs> they owe, owe, owe um, uh, the Canucks a second for the first for signing him to do. He was the last coach hired before they scrapped the uh, compensation rule. <laughs> Blue Jackets. <laughs> Why you got to do that? <laughs> That's so I, weird, though, because they fired him, right? Didn't the Canucks fire him? Yeah. 
But they remember, still- we're getting we're we're getting uh, Edmonton second this coming summer from from them hiring Chiarelli, who would be fired. Oh yeah, but see, I don't have a problem with that because he screwed us over. <laughs> and what's um, what's Edmonton going to do with that? They're just going to fuck it up anyway. So I mean, he's totally pick. you know hasn't you know traded. He, he totally hasn't traded several first overall picks there anyway, right? <laughs> man, oh man, I just love that he traded both of the 2010. Uh, you know, the one and two overall, he traded them, and then what was? Yakupov was 2012? Yes. Oh, yeah. Good job, Gia. You see, I'm, it's glad interesting. That, I'm really glad that we're getting out of the um, Chia hole that we had. So It's actually interesting if you look overall at the, the um, uh, 2010 first round, how very many of at least the high picks are no longer play for their drafting team. Really? Hall, Sagan, Goodbranson, Johansson, Niederreiter, Connolly. It was a bad Mikkel, character year. McIlroy, I don't know. And uh, yeah, so that's all those of the top 10. So the top 10 players that are still playing with their draft team are, well, the highest they're still playing for his draft team is Jeff Skinner at number seven. Who's he playing for? Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, so it's Skinner, Bermistroff, Grandland, and uh, McIlroy are the are the only top, the top 10s that are still playing for their for their drafting teams from that year. Wow. Hmm. I don't know what was going on with those people that year, huh? What year was, was Jones drafted? Seth Jones. Jones is 2013. He was the same year as McKinnon and Barkov and Joanne. He was fourth overall that year behind those three. Can we talk about something that's going to make Timmy upset? Oh, oh yes. So, <laughs> unexpectedly, I didn't, I'd missed this apparently, but then suddenly it showed up on Twitter last week. That Mark Diver was tweeting some, uh, some Pebroids lines. And the defensive bottom pairing had an un- unexpected name in it. It appears the P Bruins have signed Bart. <sighs> Matt this Barkowski. is absolutely fucking terrible. Fucking awful. Poor Tim. My hate for him grows more and more each day. But, Tim, he's down in Providence. You know who's up here not in Providence? Yes, Bre- I do. Brandon Carlo. Brandon Carlo yes. is not in Providence. You know who but else the- is up here and not Barkowski? Rob Agara. Yeah, but you, you know, know what? Else? You know what could happen? You know what could happen? Watch like 18 people get injured, and then, oh, let's call up fucking Barkowski. They have to sign him. You can't just call him up. Because he's he's on an AHL contract, not signed by the Bruins. He's signed by the P Bruins. Well, it's going to happen. Hypothetically, they could send him down to Atlanta. Oh, ouch. Oh, wow. Do it. Do it. I I just get him away. I. I hate him so bad. So, so bad. You might as well just sign Gregory Campbell while you're at it. Because, fuck. Here he's not doing a lot right now. (laughs) Oh, I really, really, really hate that guy with such a passion. Such a passion. Gregory Campbell wouldn't play for the AHL Bruins either. He'd be taking somebody's spot. Just trying to make make a go. Yeah, you know what that means? That means Bart's a jerk for taking someone's spot. Because he's an ass. (laughs) Whose spot, though? So no younger players. Anyone. <laughs> but he's not anyone. taking somebody's spot because the people who need to be, I mean, the people who would be down there are up in, in, yeah. in with the big club. And they're, they only have two actual pros- deep prospects in Providence right now in Grizz and Arneson. A spot. That's the problem. Uh, uh, he's taking a spot. Yeah. Arneson. And even Arneson's not really a prospect. It's really just Grizz. Grizz is the only actual prospect in, in, in Providence at this point. I'm for defenseman. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> I tried to be calm about it when I first found out for like 20 minutes, and then I was like, no, fuck this shit. See, I, I choose to look at the, the bright side of this. We're not going to see him at the big club, and you don't have to be that angry. I fear it. It's my, it's my greatest nightmare. You know, I, here's the thing. By having him back in the Providence fold... We now have back up to slightly more of the things that are that, that are left of Joe Thornton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Him, Coco's rights, and four four years of the cap it from the side and buyout. Um, oh. Jeff just wants us all to feel bad today. Honestly, I just enjoy. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad here. I just enjoy laughing at, at trade lineages. 
Sid side and buy out. Sorry. He got a, he scored a goal the other night. So did Boychuk in the same game. Yeah. And he and and Zuddenberg was pinching. He was not at the blue line. He was not at the red line. He was not even at his own blue line. There wasn't a Seiden bomb. He just was somewhere. No, he just, he was like, you know, within the offensive zone and, and, and scored. It was like, wow. It's like, I think his play with Team Europe really just opened up a new. You know what? I bet it's being bought out really like, was like, I got to get my shit together. Otherwise, my career is done now. I'm still sad. I understand that. And I'm sorry I brought it up. No, it's not your fault. It's just that I don't I don't want people to smile when they say Zayden buyout. I want you, you know, to look very even, sad when you say it. You know what's even worse is he was number 44. If you subtract one, that was number 43. You know who's number 43 with the balloons? Bartkowski. Fuck him. <laughs> but who is 43 now? Heine? Yeah. Incidentally, Bart and Sides came, in, came to Boston in the same trade. So Bart was a throw-in in that trade. Yeah. For, um, uh, <laughs> What was it? Um, uh, um, uh, Craig Weller and Byron Bits or something like that? Uh, <laughs> throw them in the trash now. <laughs> they did. They did. They did. And then so did and then so did uh, Vancouver and and uh, Ottawa didn't, didn't like what they saw in that PTO. And so so we decided, hey, let's throw you in Providence. No, fuck that shit. Fuck you, Providence and Pitt. Man, he's really pissed off about this, Jeff. He is, but we knew that was happening. That's why we brought it up. What? Oh, what? You you said that explicitly on on the show. <laughs> Tim, you got to work through these feelings. Yeah. This is a productive way to work through these feelings. He's, my He's not going to be up here. He's not going to be up here. We have plenty of other people, and he's not signed to the Bruins. It's just I fear he, him did, on the Bruins more than I do nuclear holocaust. Wow. I'm okay. I think we're going to move on because we've had about as much productive time as we can have with Tim working through his Bartkowski thing. We'll revisit it some other point. Um, you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about a game of the week. Do we want to talk about a game of the week? Our game of the week was technically the Habs game. And I was really hoping because, you know, for like two periods, it was kind of like, well, it was not an unexciting game. No. And I don't mean that in an altogether negative way. Just partially. Well, when it fell apart, it was it was pretty shitty. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um Yeah, it was shitty and I and the thing is it was shitty, but you can't really blame it on anyone but Joe Morrow. Either. You can blame a lot of it on Joe Morrow. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, you can blame a lot of it on Joe Morrow. <laughs> but and, like and, Dobby you know, actually played Do- well. uh, Dobby had a fucking good game. Like, he didn't deserve that he, loss. Yes, he gave up four goals, but he had a good game. He didn't deserve well, that loss. It would have been a shelling if it hadn't been for, Dub- for Dobby. Oh, yeah. He kept them in the game the first couple periods. Like, he was the reason why they were in it. And then the defense let him down. Joe Morrow let him down. I heard that, you know, before the game, Tori Krug said, well, yeah, the first time that Dobby played, we kind of... Hung him out to dry. Yes, that's the word. Those are the words, yes. Hung him out to dry. And we're not going to do that tonight. And I was like, okay, good. That's a good way to be. And then... They did. They hung him out to dry. And it was like, well... But, you know, Krug wasn't looking that great. Morrow was looking terrible. Chiller, get through the slump already. Lyles was doing a lot of scrambling around to try to make up for things. But it was really Morrow who's the big problem. And Chara and Carlo, I think, were pretty much perfect really i mean in their role absolutely yeah so it's like so you can really talk about the defensive failings there the thing that that is always going to suck for us is that carrie price when he's in goal he's really hard to score on yeah. really hard to score on i honestly they didn't really need to put too much defense out there last night the, the habs because you have price who's just hard the, the Habs go as Price goes at this point, and as long as he's playing well, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're going to be in that playoff picture. Yeah, and I hate to want to root against Carey Price and want him injured, which I don't want him injured, but I don't want him to play, so really. Maybe they can trade him like they did um, PK. Ca- <laughs> yes, Carey Price, please have a character issue. Get Do traded. something awful. 
Well, Do they really care long. about character issues, though? Because they, they signed Radulov and traded for fucking Matt Andrew Shaw. Yeah, yeah I, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm mocking it. I'm mocking it because it's like, how could you pick Andrew Shaw, who's just like a homophobe and a shitbag, and there is just endless adjectives that I could use to describe Oh, this and guy. I get so angry all the times you get see comparisons between Shaw and, 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 and Marshand. Like, oh, no. no. Like, like I, I, hate, I, I hate Gallagher. But I know, yes, Gallagher is actually a poor man's Marchand. Actually, no, no. He's, he's, he's a working class Marchand is what he is. Andrew Shaw is a shit, is bag. A shit rat. <laughs> he's a so shit bag. So maybe we can ask Carey Price to have more personality and then be a good person. And then the Habs will get rid of him because, I mean, clearly that worked for PK. All so... he has to do is disagree with Tarion. That's it. That's all he has to do. I just, I kind of want Carey Price to have one of those moments where he has like a bad game and Montreal turns on him and he just turns and he says, This is the last game I played for you. In the Because he's Russian now? <laughs> this, this is the last game I played for you. This, this is the last game I played for you. <laughs> I don't know. He's not Russian. I was trying to do like. Patrick See, the problem Roth. is that do you really want to mouth off Michelle Darian? Because he looks like the guy that, you know, like the, the Garrett's people in, in, in Bob movies. He's sweaty yeah. henchman number four. Yeah, but I don't think that he's at all that um, accomplished at doing that. He just looks like it. He's bad at things. He probably isn't there. He probably wouldn't be very successful at garroting someone you're right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Look, you know what? For a long time, I lived on this reputation when I was a kid for someone that you didn't mess with on the playground because... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously... Because I looked like I was going to go off on you at any time. And I don't understand where that came from. Because I thought I was like, I don't know, kind of normal looking kid. But I thrived on that reputation because people didn't mess with me. What they don't know is I probably would have gone off on them. But, you know, what was that? Thug Thug life. life. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what Michelle Therrien is doing. Yes. Either there he's just, you know, sweating and probably smells like stale liquor sweat. So... He looks like he does. I mean, I'm not saying he's a drunk, but he, he expects like one. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I just, it's because I, it's because I just had a drink of beer and you said that and I could just kind of taste it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is really not what I wanted to know. But anyway, okay. I don't know if we really wanted to vote any more time to that. It was, it was disappointing because it was like, wow, second home <laughs> game. You can win this. Ah, no, you can't win this. <sighs> yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, and it was disappointing because the Bruins were kind of bad at home last year. And you kind of want them. It's Boston. It's their home ice. You want them to be able to defend it. And then, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's let's pivot from that from that game. Um, there's one other thing I want to talk about, and it's an article that dropped on on the hockey news today about Bergeron. Oh. And and it just it, it talks about how it sounds like they just really round him. It's like you no, know, he is full stop the most respected player in the league. Um, it isn't just staff people. It isn't just Bruins fans. Everyone's all all kinds of squee about about uh, about about no Bergeron. And this quote from Marshan's amazing because basically he has much of a man crush on Bergie Ber- Ber- as we all do. I don't have a man crush on him. Well, no, you just have a crush on, on, on Bergie, yeah. right? Okay. Anyway, so Marshan said, "Quote: He doesn't force it." Marshan said, "It's just kind of a natural thing for him. He's awesome. He's French, so he, so he knows how to dress. He's got the cool car, nice house. He knows where to put his money and where not to, and he makes everything look good." So he's an adult, basically. Yeah. But he's a good adult. He's really fucking good at it, though. Bergie's got the adulting down. His mom was a social worker, or is a social worker. So she probably instilled that in him at a young age. How to? So what you're saying adult. is his charity work is probably really good, too. Well, it's Bergie. Everything he does is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Perfect, even. Yeah. Um, well, I know, but we say fantastic on the show. Well, yes, but Bergie is different. <laughs> the thing with Bergie... Oh, my God! Okay. Something I think you could think with Bergie is every year you have, like, you know, the MVP of the league, who, and generally 
I mean, a lot of times it goes to someone who scored the most points, things like that. Cunt However, if you actually went and looked at it and thought who was most valuable to their team, I mean, Bernie, any year, is pretty valuable to this team. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I'm actually, after reading some of the comments, this is from people elsewhere in the league, too, I kind of, I don't really understand how he doesn't, how he's never at least been a run-up for the Ted Lindsay. So that's the player voted MVP. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I get confused about some of the, the names of the, the things. And and how he how he didn't win the Selkie again last year. That was just absolutely- well, see, that was one thing this article talked about. He's got his three, he's tied in this the multi he's in this four way tie for um uh, for, with um uh, Guy Carboneau, um uh Jer Layton and and um uh, and uh and, and Pavel Datsuk for you know, for the second most Selkies won in a career. Number four is Bob Gainey. Number one is Bob Gainey with four. He's Bergie. Bergie's been jobbed twice. Yeah, Bergie should be number one because he should have won that one. Taves won, and he certainly should have won the one Kopitar won last year. Yeah, yeah. They they just gave it to Kopitar because they wanted to acknowledge him. Um, Same with Taves. You know. Both of those should have been should have been Bergie, which means this past year should have been his fifth in a row. To me, the biggest thing is the team for this World Cup of coffee. When Babcock was constructing his lines, he put Marshy, Crosby, and Bergeron on a line. And to me, that says a lot. I mean, it says a lot about what he thinks about Marshy and Sid, of course. I mean, come on. But Bergeron consistently is being placed like that, you know? Well, that- that same article opens up with a sort of a, a story on that, basically. So it's tell, tell him, saying from the perspective of Martian, he's like, say you're on, you're, you're on a line for the World Cup. One of your guys is your best friend, a guy you played together with for six years now, who you know inside out. The other guy is the indisputed best player in the world over the last 10 years. Think about what player A is going to have to do to make you say, holy shit, how did he do that? Bergy did that in one of the exhibition games, apparently. Made Martian's like... <laughs> For the viewers, I just you know give a very Muppet-like shocked face. Um, obviously, viewers, listeners, viewers would have got that if you were a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could release the video on this, but I don't think that people really want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, no. So we're not doing the video anyway. Shocked face <gasps> about yeah yeah. The Muppet being, Bernie's face. just that good, and this article is just a glorious piece of hagiography. And another example, too, was that recently another piece that was Andrew Berkshire writing for Sportsnet was trying to do a review of the best centers in the league, the, the, the 30 best. Incidentally, we had two top 30 finishes. Krejci was in there somewhat unexpectedly based on the measures he was using. But um, he basically straight up said, like, I was doing the math for this. Berge is not just one of the best defensive forwards. He's probably the best defensive player in the league. It takes a lot for him to say that as a Habs fan. Oh, absolutely, because, you know, Andrew Berkshire is awful. But, but as a person who is uh, probably from Quebec, I'm assuming, is he from Quebec? Do we know? I don't know. Probably. He's probably from Anglo, Anglo parts of Montreal or something. Yeah, so he's it's probably not too much of a reach for him because he good old Quebec boy, right? Yeah. But still, it's, it's good when people being, can actually give the respect. But yeah, to the point of saying where he's probably better defensively than any defenseman in the league, at least by the measures he was using. So. Yeah, wasn't it like some person was trying to use like some fancy stats against Bergeron and say, oh, no, he's terrible. That was like a, a month ago or something on Twitter. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> you can't you, do you, that. You, you there. Sit the fuck down. Shut the fuck up. You go in the corner <laughs> by yourself for two minutes and feel shame because I didn't have a penalty box. The corner's the next best thing. Dunk's cap super glued to his head so he can't take it off. I love Patrice Bergeron, as everyone does. And I know that we even talked about having a Patrice Bergeron specific show. And it would be great. But it would really just be like, remember that time when he blah, 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 you know? Or like, isn't he so great when he does this? And, oh my God, I want to have a cup of coffee with him because he looks so good when he models cups of coffee and clothes or something. It would just be just like an hour of like, just like, (gasps) for everybody. We might actually talk about hockey stuff. Who knows? But we all feel that way about Patrice. So maybe someday, if, if if the listeners want it, Maybe the, they want a Patrice-specific uh, episode. If you do, let us know. Fairly in topic 
on Twitter or any of the number places. Eh, we'll get to that later. So any of those just places talk we listed on every other episode. <laughs> just tell us, talk to us, interact. Yeah, just tell us about it. It's fine. You know, you might want a Bergie episode. Man, I wish I could get some sound from him. He's not the most interesting guy to talk to because he's a hockey player. Have any of you seen? I uh, was maybe maybe two years old now. The um, interview that Dangle did with Bergeron for Sportsnet. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. I don't think I, did. I don't think I ever saw that one. I should. It do. was it was from last season. It was like the beginning of last season. It, Bergie was doing some promo work with Sportsnet or. Yeah, I think it was Sportsnet. Yeah. If it wasn't Sportsnet, what's the other one? TSN. One of those two. Whatever Dangle works for. It's sport. He works for Sportsnet. Yeah, it would have been Sportsnet. Yeah. And it was and, probably because it was last year. It was it was. It was NHL 16, he was on the cover for, right? So. Yep. Yeah, well, it was Media Day. It yeah. Was, so he did stuff for Media Day, really. Uh, because, you know, there are people, they always roll out for Media Day, and Bergeron is one of them. And I think one of the reasons why they do it is because he's um, he's bilingual. And he's awesome. He's yes. bilingual, well-spoken, good person to put on camera for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His hotness is understated. Anyway. <laughs> But it was Even the men agree. The the men who are straight agree too. Oh yeah, yep, actually we do. Yeah. yeah, we do. He's a beautiful man. Yep. Okay. I know. No, I'm sorry. I just started drifting off into other beautiful men. So in different ways. I'm a girl. I do that. I'm sorry. They mm. were hockey players, so it's good. I was thinking about Andrew Ference. I'm sorry, and I'm sad about that, but not as sad as I probably should be. Oh, fair. Yeah, he's he's out for the season. I saw it. I had heard about it. He's basically collecting the last year in his contract, but he's still doing stuff for public relations stuff. So for the, the Oilers, and then he'll be free to come back to us in some capacity, maybe on Nesson or with the Bruins Foundation or something. I was gonna say he'd be a really good like on-air guy. He's pretty good, yeah, actually. During playoffs in the past, getting NBC spots, and it's like, no. He should replace Milbury. He really should. To be fair, like, literally anything up to including a rabid bear that's been dosed up up on PCP would be better on television than than, than Milbury. Well, yeah, but but Ferenc is actually pretty well-spoken himself, and um, he's able, a lot of times, a lot of times I find with, like, players who try to um, be analysts and things like that, they know so much, but they don't know how to convey it to an everyday audience like the casual audience and i feel like ference is, is pretty good at that yeah andrew ference is really good at just being personable you know what here's things i would even you know say okay fine leaf milbury as long as we get ference and you you know like defenestrate during the run <laughs> <laughs> oh boy as long as that window is like really high up no seriously on the nesson crew who would you replace with andrew ference you got Peterson, you got Kluzak. Jaffe is more of a man about town kind of thing, rather. Than, I mean, uh, I would replace I would replace Arnold with him to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, but you know, and I don't think that his talents are best served as being a host of a show. His talents are better being like I'm an ex player. I'm going to tell you about my experiences, and he's younger, so he can tell you more about the modern league. <sighs> I'd say Pet- Pedersen, but Pedersen goes nowhere because he's pr- he's pretty te- te- fairly telegenic. So, oh, Luzak, he can't I guess anything at all. God damn it! It's like every time he says something, he's like, "Oh, I remember that guy when he was in Calgary." I'm like, Calgary. <laughs> there are some people that say Calgary, and I don't know why. I don't know either, but people who are from Calgary usually say they're from Calgary. Yes. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and. To be fair, the only person I've ever actually heard say she was from Calgary was Ophira Eisenberg on, uh, wait, um, ask me another. So she's from Calgary and she says it that way. So I'm going to accept it as truth. Every Canadian I've heard say Calgary was from Ontario. And that was still an extreme minority. Everyone from Alberta says Calgary. Well, yeah. That's, ah, ah, just say it the same way. Yes. I, I have cousins who pronounce Portsmouth Portsmouth, so... Yes, yes, yes. Tell me about it. 
you know, at one time I lived in Portsmouth. My one brother lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I lived in Rhode Island. And we could say that my my two other siblings had been born in Portsmouth, Virginia. So it's like there's a lot of Portsmouth in our life, and it's never Portsmouth. Damn it. Okay. That being said, I guess we'll talk about Baron Necessities because we're almost done. Okay. Who wants to go first? Duke it out. Why are you fighting me? Damn it. Okay. He's fighting Tim. <laughs> well, let's have Tim go first. Sure. Yeah. So... For my bare necessities this week, actually just sticking to the lovable, terrible favorite of Black Vel- black Velvet, and I mean, mixing it with ginger ale has really just been pretty good for me. Good old Ryan Ginger. Oh my god. First of all, you said Black Velvet. I was like, oh boy. And secondly, when you said... I, I was waiting for you to say it's been, it's just changed my world. <laughs> I mean, is in in terms of terrible cheap alcohol, it could be a lot worse than black milk. Like the stuff you drank you had in last week, Bare Necessities. Oh God, the Senators Club. That that will never happen again. <laughs> uh, that will never happen again. That was awful. That was the worst. Oh my gosh. I mean, I would rather drink like Admiral Boston, and instead of Senators Club. Wow, there's this whole dark underworld of like alcohol I don't know about. Yeah, I mean, I, I got I got a lot of the underworld in my college days, and it's kind of stuck a little bit. Um, the only way it hasn't stuck is beer, because I won't like when I was back in college, I was drinking you know Bud Light. And Coors Light pretty regularly, and I uh, now the man that's bought this been known to buy beer arenas from time to time. Oh yeah. my God, I remember those. Tim, and in fact, I did quite recently, probably last month, and um, I, I just won't, I won't, I won't drink Bud Light or Coors Light anymore. I, if it's beer, it's got to be something that I know I'm going to enjoy. Well, Tim, it's always an adventure. With you and alcohol. It is definitely an adventure here right now, I can tell you that. Oh, man. I think one of the worst things is that I didn't go to college at the right time, so I actually learned to um, like the good stuff <laughs> and respect myself, so I didn't get to have the cheap experience. <sighs> I will say it has like grown my love for beer more. Mm, good. I'm don't don't chintz out on beer because there are lots of good beers out there. Jeff? Okay. We didn't talk about There's three games this week. Home against Minnesota on Tuesday. And then uh, rivalry night Tony, on Wednesday <laughs> against the Rangers. So it's actually like a there. rivalry. So good job, NBC. You didn't fuck up. You mean instead of that rivalry night last year about like the Bruins and the Wild? That was two years ago, I think. But yeah, oh. it was stupid. And then, and then next Saturday against Detroit. <sighs> I only expect to be seeing the Rangers game, and I will be drinking. Uh, uh, I still have the, the doors around, so uh, we'll continue to be that. It'll hacky sketch. Okay. Two people who have dubious respect for themselves. All right. I'm going to be missing the wild game because I decided that after last year's playoffs with the wild and the stars, I no longer ever want to see the wild ever again, ever, or at least for this year. Fuck them. They can go fuck themselves. They're not a fucking hockey team. I don't want to fucking watch them. So. Well, with Boudreaux as their coach, they've got to be better to watch now. Fuck, 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 fuck. No. No. Not watching no. them. Not Fair watching enough. them. Okay. That was a miserable fucking series that I had to watch and write about. I hate them so much. I hate the Wild so much. So I'm not going to watch that game. But that, in fact, you, know you watched I mean? any more playoffs at all after that kind of impresses me. Um, I would have just said, fuck this, I'm done. <sighs> hey, I, I, I was in it until the Preds fell apart. And then oh, it, it was Preds. hard. The Preds. Hey, hey, they had a good run of it. And yes, I know James Neal is a fuckwit and I hate him. I really do. But I like other Preds. So anyway. That's neither here nor there. I'm not watching the wild this week. You know what I'm going to do instead of watching the wild? I already have it planned out. I'm going to Medusa and I'm going to try their new pumpkin beer. I think it's called like witchcraft ale or something. Ooh, it's like hitting all the right markers spooky. for me. It's spooky. It's <laughs> I a like pump- it. 
It's a pumpkin ale. It has no spices in it. It's made with like pumpkins and like tart cherries. Fucking pumpkin. Nice. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm very excited about this. I'm just like, I'm going to go drink this thing. I don't think they have TVs. They have board games. Maybe I'll have somebody to play a board game with me or maybe I'll just play Shoots and Ladders by myself. I don't know. But that's my Tuesday night. No wild. Not watching that. But I should be back in time for Wednesday. <laughs> it's just the next hour. <laughs> I'm going to go to this bar. I might be there for, 20, for 24 hours or more. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so I'm going to do that. But I think I will probably be around for for the Rangers game. And I don't know about the Saturday game against the Red Wings because there's something going on that night and I'm not sure I want to go. But we'll see. I could still actually watch the game and go to this thing. They're not, they, they don't overlap. So, although getting ready for one kind of overlaps the other. But anyway, yeah, so what do we have? We have so much alcohol. I still have a lot of beer left over from last week's Oktoberfest because I didn't drink this week until, well, okay, I drank last night because I needed to. Can't, was, can't, you can't watch Bruins have sober. No, no, I had a beer and then I was like, the beer's just not enough. So I broke out cocktails. So I had cocktails. It was good. I was drunk. And then um, <laughs> that's how we got Brendo Carlorusian. I can never say it right. I can write it right. I can't say it right. Brendo Carlorusian. I got that. Um, I said that when I was drunk. So it was good. Anyway, yes. So alcohol. That's what I got. Um, copious amounts of alcohol. Some of it interesting, some not. I guess that pretty much wraps us up. Huh. Yep, it does. You can find us on Fairland Topic at Twitter, on Facebook. Obviously, you can find us on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening to us, by the way. On iTunes and Stitcher. I'm pretty sure you know how to figure us uh, out, how to get us. Okay, last week I was sober, and this week I've had a couple of beers. Tim takes up. Word.